you know the vibes. The Hoop Genius Podcast, myself, Mo Mutsi, alongside the legend, the three-time champion, the super agent, BJ Armstrong. We're going to run through this one quick because BJ's phone will be ringing with all these trade deadline deals going on. It's one day until the trade deadline and tomorrow we'll be bringing you all the news, all the updated deals from the trade deadline. BJ, how are you feeling? You anticipating some oh. big moves? You looking forward to the chaos? Man, looking forward to it, you know. You know, Mo, this time is always a, it's always a tough time because the phone is ringing and all of the deals that almost happened that didn't happen. You're talking to all of the team. So, you know, this is good to get the podcast, to be with the people, you know, Relax. I'm an agent of the people. I'm an agent of the people. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm going to need you to put your, your player agent hat on though, because I want okay. you to talk the people through with these deals going on. Being an agent of a player, you don't get much say. It's not like free agency where you do deals right. with teams and you pick where guys right. are going. From what I've spoken to other agents, they've told me that they kind of just get told by the team, oh, by the way, we're going to trade your guy to here. What's it like, you know, the process of being an agent involving in an NBA trade rather than free agency? Well, you're in the trades, you understand the business. And many of these trades that you're currently seeing now are contractual trades you know it's just really just transactions being traded you know i'm going to take your bad salary and give it to this team who has cap space uh, i want to acquire what they term assets and pick up you know a second round draft pick first round draft pick so um i think what you're going to start seeing here are a lot of contracts now which are expiring contracts okay and what it what that means is players who are at the end of their contract this year and they will be expiring and they want to get something for that. And sometimes you can pick up, you know, a, a, an unconditional, you know, pick or something uh, other than just having that player and you get nothing in return. So um, there's nothing you really can do other than you try to be informed. And the, and the big thing is I like, I like to be informed here so that when something does happen, you want to be able to share that first with your client, other than reading about it on, you know, yeah. on Twitter like everyone else. So other than that, there's nothing really you can do. Because you hear about some trades, like I remember when DeMarcus Cousins got traded, he found out in the post-game press conference, they told him, "Yes, you know, you've been traded, et cetera. Is it right. different depending on which teams are involved or is there kind of like a league-wide precedent to, precedent to say, give you the heads up oh do you want to tell your player he might be on the move or is it teams are negotiating doing deals the deal's done and either they hit you or you read about it from whoever on twitter well you know well excellent question the, the one thing i've been very fortunate i've i've had the privilege of dealing with executives and teams and owners who've always given me a heads up before they inform the media or their outlets or whatever. So for me, I've never had that happen because, you know, your word has to mean something, right? And like I said, with the teams, like, look, I, I get it. There's some things I can't talk about um, with people because it's information that's pertaining to the business. Of um, and so I've been very fortunate that, you know, I've, I've dealt with teams over my entire career as an agent where 
my word means something, their word means something, and it's never been leaked or gotten out because that's just how, you know, you know, you try it's to respect. do business sometimes. It's respect. Yeah. So what is it's, it, it's yeah, you know, whether it's good news or bad news, just give me the opportunity to hear it first, get it to the client, and then we can move on. So um, but you know, I don't know what happened, what really happened there, but you know, that's I, I don't know what I would do if I found out on Twitter. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it would be like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. come on, you text me, email me, DM me, I mean, you know, send me a smoke signal. Just don't let me. <laughs> I'm at the game at halftime and you're like, hey, you know, your client got traded. You know, that's, yeah, you know, that just seems very unprofessional. But, you know, you know, things happen. It is, it is crazy. You know, the more I do this media stuff, the more I'm starting to be privy to conversations from people. You know, and and someone might tell me something about one team moving one player or other deals that are going on, but then they hit me with, "Oh, but you can't tell anyone about this." So then I'm sitting here right. seeing all these rumors going on on Twitter, and I have to pretend like I don't know nothing. So I have to just join in yeah. the conversation, pretending I don't know what's really about to happen. So it's an interesting time, you know. It's an interesting time to see one thing all over the Twitter timeline and hear another thing from a team or from you know other people around the league about what's really happening behind closed doors. But what we can talk about is deals that have happened. And today, mm -hmm. the Utah Jazz made a trade. We spoke about this on the episode with our friend Vincent Goodwill, and we appreciate all the love on that episode. We know how much you guys yes. enjoyed Vinny coming on the show, and you know. He had a lot of love for Kelly Rowland, so maybe we can try and get Kelly Rowland on the show next time he comes on or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but the Utah Jazz did make that deal, and it was surprising that they didn't go for a wing defender or a wing playmaker like Vinny alluded to. Instead, they acquired Nikhil Alexander-Walker from the Portland Trailblazers. He was at the Portland Trailblazers for about 24 hours before he was traded on to the Utah right. Jazz. And it was a three-team deal. They acquired Juancho Hernan Gomez also. So in that deal, the Spurs got Thomas Satoransky in a second-round pick, and the Trailblazers got Joe Ingles, Elijah Hughes, and a second-round pick. And this goes back to what BJ was talking about just a minute ago with expiring deals. That's why the Utah Jazz traded Joe Ingles. Not because they right. didn't want Joe Ingles on their team, but because he has a salary of, you know, how much are we looking at for Joe Ingles? He, ha he has a salary of $14 million dollars. And it's going off the books this summer and they might not have the room to re-sign him and he might get a better deal elsewhere. So they said, okay, cool. We'll trade him in exchange for getting a player, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who I think has a lot of potential. I watched him last season in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. He has mm -hmm. a lot of potential. You know, when the New Orleans guards last season had injuries, he really stepped up. You know, I've spoken to Nikhil a fair amount and he's a very intelligent player. He's a very, very intelligent young basketball player. I've got a lot of time and a lot of respect for him. And I think... Right. It's interesting that Utah have gone for him because they've got Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley, two very ball-dominant guards. So I'm not sure how much he's going to get on the court to, you know, grow his game, especially with Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench as well. So I'm not sure if he's going to stay there or if he's going to be moved once again. But BJ, what do you make of that trade? Well, you know, as I look at the trade here, you know, I, I definitely understand Joe Ingles... Elijah Hughes and the second round pick going to Portland. Okay. That's, that's just the business of sports. They're going to get the cap relief that they're looking for. They, re, they acute, you know, acquire a second round pick, you know, San Antonio, you know, they get another, I think they get a second round pick. If I remember correctly, what yep. you said, right. A second round pick. 
And then and Tomas Sanitaransky, he's what he has an expiring deal. Is that he's is he on the end of a deal? Uh, let me have um, a look. Yeah, take because a, take a look I like I like him in San Antonio. I I do like what he can bring as kind of an older, more experienced player. And his deal does expire this summer. At Ten mil. If they can yeah, renew so him that, from that makes, something similar yeah, and have that, him as a bench piece, I like that fit. Though. So yeah. So what you know. So what you know. Teams will say, you know, I, I kind of like him a little bit. Let's take a look at him for the 30, 35 games. So, yeah. Okay. I get that. I get why San Antonio did that. Um, but I think Utah is interesting because, you know, Jordan Clarkston now, you know, he, he's been playing. You're hearing grumblings possibly uh, about Donovan Mitchell. And I think Danny Ains now, I think he's going to really begin to evaluate this team. And what I mean by evaluate this team is with the idea of saying, how can we improve this team? And when you say improve this team, right, you got to look at the, at the top, you got to look at Donovan Mitchell, and then you have to look at, at the big fella there. Um, Man, his name, for some reason, Rudy Gobert, right. So, Now you look at those two and you go, okay, are they the centerpieces? Do you move one? Do you move both? But you got to figure this out because, and the reason is, is because you got to figure out how to get better. Now, when you watch the team, what's their glaring weakness? They don't have athleticism on the wings. That's their glaring weakness. Um, I think Nikhil Alexander-Walker will be a player that they're going to find how to get to the court. He's young, he's athletic. And, you know, is he a small two? Is he a big one? You know, is Donovan, is it time for Donovan Mitchell to be the lead guard and just put the ball in his hand so that you can make your team big? When you look at their backcourt, right? Their backcourt is actually small because Donovan Mitchell is small. Okay. Mike Conley is very Mike Conley small. Is small. small. Okay, Mm. so it makes them tall. Now, even though Rudy Gobert is big, they actually have a small team. They go, Bogdanovich is small. If you if you look at it as a power forward, yep. Okay, and they have a small team. So I think it's time to say, how can we get more length? And I really like personally. I've said this, you know, going back two years now. I like Donovan Mitchell at the point guard. Hear me out here, Mo. I'm, I'm listening. When he played, when he when he played in the bubble, he had a couple games as the lead guard. Remember when when Conley missed the game? I think yeah. He, and and for he was personal going, reasons. He was going head to head with Jamal Murray. We're talking about that series. I like I like I, okay. But and the reason I like him at the lead guard is because you can't play in today's game without a player who can play downhill. Okay. Just let Donovan Mitchell play downhill. And then we will figure out how to orchestrate around that, right? Like Jamal Murray, is he really a point guard? You know, Damian Lillard, is he really a point guard? I, th- I think Curry. nowadays there's not many actual point guards. Actually, the point there's guard. a lot that's, of scoring that's my guards. Point. There's only there's a, a lot few. of scores. There's only a handful really so, of true point guards. Now, if you can have Donovan Mitchell as your lead guard, now he can post those smaller guards. He's stronger than most of those guards. 
And now you've suddenly become a big team. And that makes sense with me, with him at the lead guard and Rudy Gobert. And then you put the traditional guards or whatever it is in the second unit. So that way you can switch Donovan Mitchell around the court. You know, what's the point of being this versatile player? So I personally, that's what I would do because it would make you big. And then when you have big guards, that gives you an advantage. Because I don't think there's a point guard in the league that can really guard him. Mm. And he can handle the ball and do all of the things like every other lead guard can do. So now when he plays against a Kyrie Irving, okay, nobody can guard Kyrie Irving. But let me tell you this, Kyrie Irving can't guard him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. Mm -hmm. So I I think that gives them an advantage. So I think the Walker is probably a player that has an opportunity to find a home if it fits. Yeah. And uh, he's six foot five. He's six foot five and he can play some very good defense. He can play defense. So I think Danny Ainge is beginning. I think this is the first move that Danny Ainge is going to start saying, I want talent and I want toughness. Yeah. One thing about Danny, you you know, he's always going to get tough. And this kid, uh, Walker, he's a tough kid. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I like him. I think he's a really good player, actually. Yeah. So I, I think this is the first move. And you see the difference of philosophy with the uh, yeah. Utah Jazz. Well, the trouble is Mike Conley still has two more years on his contract after this at 22 million and right. 24 million. So they're going to have to relocate him if what you're saying is true. One thing that was interesting was after reporting the news, Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted out that Ingles is out for the season with a torn ACL, but he leaves on an expiring right. contract, but don't rule out a future return to the Jazz. Yes. And it just got me thinking no about... You know, I, I think he'll be back there. He loves it there. He's an integral part of the team. You've got to be thinking about something interesting uh, called the Gary Payton rule. Because there was a time where the Boston Celtics traded Gary Payton to Atlanta in the deal that brought Antoine Walker to Boston. The Atlanta Hawks brought out Gary Payton from his contract. And within just a few days, he was back on the Celtics team. So since then, the NBA put in a rule that prevents players from re-signing with the team that traded them until a year from that date where they're traded, if they're bought out of their contract. So if they buy Joe Ingles out of his contract, then he has to wait a whole calendar year. Or if they don't buy him out, he has to wait until July the 1st. So in free agency, you might actually see him back on the Utah Jazz roster, but it depends on how much money he's looking to take because they don't have too much money to play with. They have Gobert and Mitchell both on max salaries and Bogdanovich will be earning almost 20 million next season, and Jordan Clarkson's on 14 as well. So they've got two big money guys. Rudy Gobert's going to be making almost 40 mil next season. Donovan Mitchell's going to be making 30 mil. So it's going to be interesting to see if one of those two guys are traded as well, if they move Gobert or they move Mitchell because he's reportedly unhappy in the small market that is the Utah Jazz. So I think a lot more moves are going to be on the way because, as you said, Danny Ainge, he likes toughness. He likes those guys of a certain build. And this Utah Jazz experiment, they've been trying it for a few years now, and it's clearly not built for postseason success. So that's interesting to me. There's been a few other little moves um, around the league today. The OKC Thunder actually took my breath away because today they traded away a draft pick for the first time since I can remember. All right, all right, all right. (laughs) Yes, the OKC Thunder traded away a draft pick to the Miami Heat in exchange for KZ Ogpala. Now, I think that's, you know, maybe a little transactional trade because, you know, the Miami Heat might be trying to take on some more money uh, in another deal to try and strengthen their squad as they get to, they get to, um, 
the playoffs because they're looking very strong. And talking about the Miami Heat, they're looking like the best team in the Eastern Conference right now. The Milwaukee Bucks, Great. when their big three play, also look like the best team in the Eastern Conference. That beating they put down on the Lakers the other day, Giannis mm. bullied Anthony Davis in the Staples Center. Guarded by LeBron, LeBron couldn't stop him. AD couldn't stop him. They balled out. Chris Middleton wasn't missing shots. Giannis almost didn't actually miss a shot at all throughout the whole game. Um, so I'm looking at the Eastern Conference. But one thing that was very interesting to me is, you know, San, uh, Stephen A. Smith's show, First Take. They had JJ Redick on the show. And I love it when this happens because JJ's not here for the nonsense. He likes to keep it real. And Stephen A is there for the drama, for the narratives, for the stories. And he doesn't have a lot of time for what Stephen A. Smith is talking about. So when they were talking about the best teams in the Eastern Conference, you know, they're debating the Brooklyn Nets and JJ Reddick's there like, yo, we're not even mentioned the Miami Heat, who are the best team in the conference. What are we doing here? So it got me on to the next topic, BJ. And this is where I want your perspective. They were having a debate about who has more pressure on them to win a championship, LeBron James or Kevin Durant. Now, in my opinion, neither of them is coming close to winning a championship as it currently stands. But JJ Reddick said there's no such thing as pressure from the media. The pressure for the players like LeBron and KD is all on themselves. So if we go back to your playing days, pressure, was that coming from yourself, your teammates, your coaches, the fans, the media? What's it like being in those playoff runs going all the way to the finals? Where does the pressure come from? You know, Mo, I think this is a great question. And I happen to be watching that show as well. And, and I asked myself, where, where did the pressure come from, right? The great players, the professional players in this league, right? You know, everyone can't be a great player, but you, you can become a professional. You know, you begin to block out the noise. But you have, Mo, what's called awareness. You know, the one thing I will say about a great player, right? is the following I've observed over the years is that they have presence. They have a relationship with the audience that they understand the expectation of the audience, right? It's like a great performer. They come on stage. The audience is anticipating a great, you know, you know, great show. Yeah. You know, and the performer says, I want to give the audience what they came to see. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They're going to put when a show you go, for the fans. The late Michael Jackson, right? You, He understood you. You understood him. And it was a relationship that it was an understanding. So I think when I was listening to these guys, I think the, in order to, you know, where does the pressure come from? I think the pressure comes from understanding your audience. You can't tell me that you're, you know, that you don't hear what the people are saying because the great, the great players, the truly great players within and all of this noise, they find what they're looking for. Oh, I heard Mo said such and such and such. such. They don't take it as criticism. They take it as a challenge. Yeah. And they turn that around as a challenge. But the thing about LeBron and the thing about KD, I think both are there there's decisions. All of their decisions have been made clearly with one thing in mind to win a championship. I don't think he went to golden state yep. to go to golden state. To, he to, went there to, to win the a Lakers, championship. To the, oh, KD. Sorry. KD. Yeah. yeah KD yeah. went to golden state yep. to win a championship. Oh, hundred percent mission accomplished. And I think he went to Brooklyn to win a championship. Yep. 
I don't, I think LeBron went to Miami to win a championship. He goes back to Cleveland to win a championship. And then he goes to LA to win a championship. So the one thing that I know doesn't work is if you don't understand your audience. <laughs> okay. Yep. If you don't understand what's expected of you, LeBron yep. James is very aware of his talent. And because he's aware of his talent, he understands the responsibility that comes with that talent. I, I, I think, I think they go hand in hand. I yeah. think. And the reason I'm saying that is because when you are around greatness, there is a persona and energy that they give off that you feel it immediately. There's like a presence there. Like, you know, when the great player walks into the room, you feel his or her presence. Yeah. So I think the pressure is just that they become aware. I think once you become aware, you're like, oh, this is what the audience expects. Oh, this is what I how expect. Much, how much does that affect players to hear the media? So for a guy like Stephen A. Smith, who has a massive platform, he's on every show, on every screen, all over social media. How much is it? Because because Kevin Durant, you see him actively tweeting back at Stephen A. Smith saying, nah, you're you wrong know, for this, etc. But man, he's one. What about all the other know, players? You know, Mo, I, I, you know, listen. Like I said, I, I, I've had the privilege of being around some great players. And today is different. It's just, it's just different today, right? Yeah. You have the social media. You can respond immediately with the push of a button. But one thing hasn't changed, Mo. When that game comes at 730, you better have the ability to block everything out. Mm-hmm. See, as much as things change, some things don't change. And we'll never change. They always say old school, new school. I just say the true school. Facts. <laughs> How, what, whatever you need, what, whatever you need to do to get ready for 730, do that. But at 730, you better show up. Now, yes. if you need to tweet to get ready, tweet. If you need to read a book to get ready, <laughs> go read the book. If, if you need to lock yourself in the room to get ready, if you need to go out and, 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 and joke around, do whatever you need to do. But at 730. What, what was yours? What was yours to get ready, ready. for the game? What, what was your thing before a game? My thing before the game was I liked, I liked, or I used to, I wanted to be as silent as I possibly could. could. Like I wanted to sit in the silence because the, in the silence, I could find what I was looking for. And what I wanted to find was I wanted to make sure that my mind was clear before that game, because thinking is too slow of a process for me. I feel you. I didn't want to flow state. get out there. I didn't want to get out there and start thinking like, should I shoot or should I not? Should I pass? <laughs> yeah. I wanted to play the scenarios. out. If I'm playing against Terry Porter, for instance, I wanted to play in my mind what he likes to do, what I was going to try to get accomplished against him defensively, what I could do and, and carry out my game plan from the team, what I needed to do to play the games within the game, who I was guarding, whether I was guarding Danny Ainge and Terry Porter that night. I wanted to play all this, and I, and I had to sit in the silence because when it happened, Mo, I just wanted to react because I had already played all of this out in my mind. That's yeah. how I like to prepare. 
Deep. I didn't like to have music on or any of that. I just wanted to sit in the silence, study what I needed to study, look at the film, do all of the stuff, and then to know when the ball went up, I was prepared. Being prepared for me was everything. Do you think it would be more difficult now because back then there wasn't the internet in the way it is today, the social media, phones, content, positive. I was talking to a player during the NBA finals. And I did an interview with him. And, you know, usually players do media interviews. They start the interview. They're like, oh, cool, here, I'll, I'll answer your questions. But this player joins the call and he goes, yo, because we have to do it on Zoom, right? Because it was COVID. Mm-hmm. So he goes, yo, I know you. I thought, oh, no. He goes, yeah, I watch your show. I see, I see you on this and that. And I was like, oh. And then in my head, I'm thinking, damn, I was just cussing him out the other game about playing badly. And now the players are seeing it. So right. some players, maybe the Yarnises of the world can lock out the media attention. But do you think for some now, or if you were playing today, it would be more difficult because now it's way more in your face. Back in the day, you'd have to actively go and read the newspaper or turn on the TV. But now if you're just scrolling through Instagram, scrolling through TikTok, my face will pop up on your feed, whether you want it to or not, because that's just how the internet works nowadays. Yeah, I, I think, you know, more listen. I don't, I don't like to sound cold because, you know, like, it's not natural what I'm about to say. I learned how to do this. Yeah. Okay. And I, and I say this with great humility, so I just want to say that. But I'm going to tell you the truth. You know, Mo, um, I, had a, I, had a, I, had a, I had a unique quality that somewhere along the line I picked up. And that quality was, Mo, I really don't care what you think. Yeah. I respect it, though. Okay, and, and well, I, 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 and I'm not saying it because it's not a defensive mechanism. I'm no. not saying it to be tough. I'm not sure, Mo. I, I, because in real life that doesn't work. In sports, though, Mo, I, it's an essential quality that you have to have if you're going to be the best version of yourself. And I don't think it's just sports, though. I think if you're a musician, you can't care if people are sitting on the internet. Yeah, 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 like yeah. I have people after shows if they don't like my take. They're saying, oh, this guy don't know what he's talking about. This guy, yeah. I don't care what anyone says. Same way our musician friends, yeah. if they drop a mixtape and, and, and not listen, they don't care. So I hear where you're coming from. Yeah, it's just, it's just like, Mo, I, 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 like, I, I, I don't know where I picked it up from, but Mo, like, your opinion of what I'm doing doesn't mean anything to me. What means something to me, Mo, is that I know that I did everything I could to be the best that day that I could be. That means something to me. And the people that I'm playing with know that I did everything that I could do. That means something to me. Yeah. Fans booing you saying something on the radio or podcast or TV. I mean, but do you think think players today are different, though? Do you think players today what still I think, have what that I quality? Think, what I think, Mo, is the level of professionalism isn't as high as it was 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, this is what I'm getting to. This is what the age of the players, okay? You know, Mo, I had a great friend of mine, a mentor, shared this with me, and Mo, it just gave me all the confidence in the world. He said, BJ, you know, you were the, you know, you were the best player in high school. You were the best player in college. And, you know, you're going to, everybody 
that you're going to play with from this point forward has been the best at some point in their career. He said, but in the, in professional sports, it's entertainment. That's why they call it show business. Yeah. They don't call it show show. They don't call it business business. They call it show Mm -hmm. business. And he said, everybody else is going to tell you to work on your jump shot, work on your step back, work on your ball handling. He said, but I'm going to tell you to understand the business and the entertainment value that you're coming into, because that's part of the game. I never forgot that. Mm -hmm. This is show business mode. So when I knew what I was walking into, the only way you get through this is you have to become a professional because I understand why Mo is doing what Mo's doing. When Mo gets <laughs> on and has a hot take, Mo has ratings, Mo has a business, and it's Mo's job to put on a show. When the show stops and Mo sees me, Mo and I are supposed to be able to go out, shake hands, grab a drink, and laugh and say, you know what? Because I'm not the person that I'm pretending to be in that uniform. And you're not the person to be taking these hot takes and whatever it is you're doing. It's all a show. (laughs) Okay. Okay. But when the lights come on, I become this 100% player that's just going to go out and will do anything to win. And Mo's going to come out and he's just telling it like it is. And he keeps it real. That's part of the show business. That's what I'm saying. But I want to bring this conversation full circle to what we go back to at the start of the show is talking about trades. Now, okay. whether the media think you play good, think you play bad, think you need to work on a jump shot, that's whatever now to decide. But when players hear their names in trade rumors, do you think that that, not a hot take, but they they hear this team is thinking about trading this guy to hear, how do you think that affects? Because I've noticed so, a couple yeah. of things in the last few nights. I've seen some guys playing a lot worse than they have for all the other games this season. And I've seen some guys playing a lot better than they have for all the games this season. Now, I don't think it can be a coincidence that the trade deadline is in 24 hours. No, no, Mo, absolutely. (laughs) It's it's a great observation by you, Mo. It's a great observation by you, okay? The the, The goal for me is to become a pro. In between the lines, Mo, I, I really didn't care what was going on outside. Like, like Mo, I, I I really took I, I I still take pride in that. Yeah, I take pride in like okay, when things happen, whatever's going on in my life, when I am focused on this, nothing else matters. Mm-hmm. It's a skill. Focus, clarity. Okay, Mo, I could be having the worst day, but when I was playing, I couldn't say, I couldn't get on the uh, get on the microphone and say. Hey guys, tell the 20,000 fans I'm making an announcement. I had a bad day. So I, <laughs> go back I to will bed. not be playing well. Yeah, I will not be playing well today. And they're going to go, oh, PJ, it'll be okay. No, it wasn't part of the deal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, and Mo, you see people that take whatever happens off the court and they just bring it right on the court. Okay. Now, I was fortunate. I learned very quickly that you know what that doesn't matter like you got to find a way every single day to get it done yes sir as coach used to always say don't tell me how rough it is he would always say 
Don't tell me how rough it is out there in the sea. Just bring in the ship, baby. That's facts. And that applies to life, not just basketball. That applies exactly. to life. Yeah, so, you know, Mo, I, I, I... These young guys today, they're just young. Like, like, like Mo, this took time to get to that point, right? You know, I didn't learn that day one. I didn't learn it day two. But, you know, four years of college... And suddenly I caught on to, to the game. Like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, this is a show. Like, you know, we started off talking about Stephen A. Like, I've been doing Stephen A for 30 years. I get it. Like, <laughs> I get it. It's part of the business. <laughs> like, I get it. When you're young, you may not get it. Going back to your trade. When I was young, Mo, I never had anyone in high school or college or for the pros, for that matter, to never not want me. Like, it's the feeling of rejection for the first time. It's kind of like such and such may be traded. You're like, oh, like, I've never had that feeling before. You've been the best ever you've been. Man, everywhere I've gone is, man, I sure would like to have such and such or BJ on my team. All of a sudden, this was my first form of rejection, right? You know what I mean? Like, I had never had yeah. a, a – so the thing that I learned very quickly, I, I remember going through it because I had never been through it. It's not like something they prepare you for. It's not like saying, okay, when the trade deadline happens, this is how you – it was like, oh, I could get traded. Oh, what will happen if I get traded? Oh, and then you can go down this, this tunnel – and before you now you're deep into it. So what I learned though, Mo, was the moment you don't hear your name in a trade, that's the moment you're gonna be out of the league. Because <laughs> <laughs> that means no one wants you. Okay. <laughs> so every year I tried to make sure that my name and value was high so that I knew that I always could have a career in the NBA. Mo, I didn't come here to be in the NBA. I came here to have a career in the NBA. And and then have a career, that means you got to have some value. Mm-hmm. So, Mo, like, when I heard my name, and I, I got mad, Mo, if I didn't like the names that were being associated with me in a trade, I'd be like, wait a minute, man. Like, that mm-hmm. didn't... You follow what I'm saying? Yep. So, because that determines whether you can have a career. So most of these guys don't understand that being in trade talks is a very positive thing. Because, Mo, if if Team X trades you for a max player, guess what that means, Mo? You're going to get. You're going to get that max doll Mm -hmm. when you go to that team. So, Mo, I always tried to keep my name associated with where I wanted to be in my career so that I can have the value. But more importantly, Mo, I wanted to have a career because I was a pro. Yep. So, but you learn that over time. So, you know, I, you know, after my first go around, I was like, oh, that's what trades me. A lot of times you just want to, a lot of times you'll put a player's name in a trade just to see what his value is. As an executive, Mo, being an executive in the league, that was my job is to know the value of every player on my team. Yeah, it makes so, sense. So, you know, it's just, it's part of the show business, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's part of it. 
Yep. Well, you know, speaking of trades and all these other things, what you guys at home need to do is trade whoever else you listen to and come and rock with the Hoop Genius podcast come every on over morning. Here. Because you see the levels of the insights that you're getting on this side. You ain't getting this nowhere else. We don't keep it old school or new school, as BJ likes to say. It's just the true school. And that's, that's what it. we do best. Tomorrow, trade deadline. It's going to be spicy. I'm ready Ooh. for it. Mm. I'm scared. Mo, to can go I get some sleep. sleep? Can I get some I'm sleep after tomorrow's go... tra- deadline? I'm scared to go sleep before the deadline because I don't know who's getting traded, when they're getting traded, where they're going after tomorrow's deadline. Hey, man, you got Super Bowl Sunday to kick back and relax. But until then, we're going to keep bringing you the hottest content, the trade news, the trade analysis, evaluations. And I think some big names might be on the move tomorrow, but we're going to have to wait. So. I think they have to. I think they have to. I think there's going to be a domino that falls. I think it's been quiet for a few hours since after that Portland New Orleans trade. And they're waiting for one big domino to fall before all the other moves happen. But who knows? We're going to have to wait and see. We'll be back tomorrow morning in your headphones, in your speakers, in your AirPods or earbuds or whatever you want to call it with all the breakdowns. BJ, thank you once again for the wisdom and the life lessons. Oh. Which other NBA podcast is giving you real life lessons? Doesn't matter how stormy the sea is. What you got to do, BJ? Hey, you got to keep it moving, baby. You got to do what you do. You got to love what you got to do. And you got to rock with my man, Mo Money. (laughs) Because he knows the vibes. Always. And on top of all of those things, there's one last thing you need to do. Get buckets. Oh, hold on. (laughs) Get buckets. But Mo, let me pass you the ball so you can get that bucket. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Listen, appreciate you. We'll catch up with you guys tomorrow. You heard it there from the man himself. Get buckets.